Well, greetings and welcome back to Three Gens Theology. We are gathering once again here to talk about Christology, the truths about who Christ is. And uh, as we do so, we hope to share these in a way that isn't just more information for you or something to add to your noggin, but that it might actually also um, be truth to draw you closer in a relationship with the Lord. That's certainly our desire. want to, as we say, want to come alongside and be an encouragement to you in your walk of faith. And uh, so that's our desire to do that each time we come together. We appreciate you taking part in this. And I just want to say up front, instead of at the end, maybe I'll say it at the end as well, but up front, uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you wanted to uh, review or comment on uh, any of the services that you are watching, listening to us on, or of course you could email me at uh, uh, pd at crossbridgeindy.com. And uh, so now we have video on Spotify and on YouTube, so yep. you can watch us either one of those. Yep. And the rest are all podcast outlets are going on audio. Everywhere only, else, right? you just hear our sparkling voices. Our sparkling voices. Is that what they are, <laughs> sparkling? <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> if they're not sparkling, let us know. Yeah, right, right. Let us know. Let us know your description of our voices. That, uh, <laughs> that way we can use a better term than maybe than sparkling. But we really would like to hear from you um, and hear comments or questions that you have as we go, of course. Again, my email, pd at crossbridgeindy.com, and I'd uh, love to hear from you. So great to be with you again, and we look forward as we uh, speak about uh, Christology uh, once again and uh, want to do so um, in, in, uh, in a way that is both uh, reverent uh, honoring him for who he is, the greatness of who he is, but also um, uh, in a sense of, of rejoicing that we can have a, a relationship with him and, and we get, uh, it's not some distant sovereign creator God, but rather one who's, who's near and uh, has a great love for us. So. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time together. May you be honored as we uh, speak, and as this goes out, I pray that you would use it in a way that draws us and draws others uh, closer to you. And thank you for the gift in, uh, that you've given in Christ, uh, the fact that he died for us, the fact that we can have forgiveness in him, uh, the fact that we can have a relationship with you uh, that is full and open, though we don't deserve it and that we can have promised eternal life. What, a, what an uh, undeserving honor it is, um, but, uh, but it is ours, how good it is. Help us now as we, talk, as we speak of Christ, Lord, that we would do so accurately and, and in a way that gives honor and also that draws us nearer and nearer uh, to him and you. And we thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Dan, I thought you were going to be... Uh, saying that we want to be both exalting the Lord and entertaining. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we hope that we are somewhat entertaining, but, uh, but in a, a worshipful way. <laughs> We've been talking about the Messiah. I don't know Christ. that if any of the three of us are going to win entertaining awards. I don't know that. that well, maybe not. Yeah. Certainly we're not Hollywood uh, <laughs> no. people, that's that's for sure. But we do love the Lord. <laughs> yes, we do. Dad, I, I think you're losing that vote after your hour 15 sermon the other week. Uh, I think uh, uh, not, not <laughs> entertaining <laughs> the church is voting for you. 
<laughs> not for entertaining, right? That's right. <laughs> we but, I do, but I do love the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and we were loving the Lord with you for the whole hour and 15 uh, minutes. Yeah, so I'm, not sure, I'm not sure everybody was. <laughs> they were hoping the Lord might come. I think uh, perhaps toward the end, uh, yes, that was true. <laughs> well, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the, uh, the Messiah. Uh, Christos, Messiah, both of, of them coming from a term that means uh, to anoint. And so we're talking about the anointed one. And we, we've learned that God has revealed him, uh, his, his works, his uh, words, his deeds, uh, and his ultimate purpose all the way through the Old Testament and then through his, uh, his earthly ministry in a variety of different ways. We've learned that even in Jesus' lifetime, there were those who, because of their faithfulness to the Lord, because of their love for him and their obedience to him, and their willingness to even to be baptized for righteousness' sake, that there were many among the people who saw Jesus, experienced his ministry, who were wondering, could this in fact be the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. And yet there were others who were around Jesus throughout his entire ministry whose primary purpose, because they weren't believers in the coming of the Messiah, they had no stake in what was happening with this man. They wanted to trip him up to find out if they could, in fact, uh, learn how mistaken or how misguided this one was. Uh, And the result of that was that even up to his very death, these were the people who were crying out against him. These are the people who were, who were trying to uh, remove him from the scene. When we think about the Messiah, we can think about him in a number of different ways, but one of the ways in which he was revealed through Scripture, and we see him ministering during his lifetime, is in the three areas of those who would in the life of Israel from the very beginning of God's teaching of how they were to relate to him, the the prophet, the priest, and the king. And we see Jesus operating in each of these areas. There's a, there's a beautiful passage that I'll read to you. It's so brief that it's easy for us to use to kind of illustrate the concept of uh, the anointing. In uh, Psalm 133, Uh, David wrote, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down to the edge of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. And so in this beautiful illustration, we see the anointing of Aaron with the oil poured upon his head, flowing down his beard all the way to the hem of his garment. And the same then being true of the the snows and the, the dew that comes down upon Mount Hermon, also appearing upon Mount Zion, flowing from the, the, the north to the south, the length and breadth of the land, experiencing that. And it's an illustration of how this uh, anointing was to work. And in the case of, of Jesus, he was the anointed prophet, priest, and king. 
One of the one of the beautiful things that just came to mind from that, uh, Cy, when you preached a few weeks ago, you preached about um, Mary anointing mm-hmm. Jesus, right. and the passages actually, uh, I'm doing air quotes, conflict with one another, right? In yeah. the way that he was anointed, but they don't, <laughs> right? And actually, the Psalm 133 might be a great companion passage for those two passages. Mm-hmm. Uh, to talk about how it was put upon his head, and and yet and all the way on his, his on feet. his feet right. as well. Right. Um, that the what she poured out on him um, could have been a covering, much like this anointing that's pictured. And uh, yes, maybe even maybe even she was aware of that picture, uh, even when doing it. We don't know that for sure, but. But uh, it speaks of in uh, the two of the Gospels that anointing being head and feet, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so some cynics will look at that and say, "Look, there's a difference there. Obviously, one is wrong, but they don't have to be wrong, right? Right." But uh, it would be a similar. And Psalm, Psalm one thirty three is describing the beauty of the brethren being unified, being united. Mm-hmm. And of course, Jesus was the one who was going to bring that about through his death. Yeah. Right. Now, if we think of Jesus as prophet, what are some things that we find in Scripture that help us to know that that he was going to be a prophet among men? I think the first one that comes to mind for me is Moses who spoke to the people and said that in the latter days, God is going to raise up a prophet like me. Like me, right. A prophet like me. Uh, Deuteronomy 18. I always think it's interesting. Moses, Moses actually <clears throat> fits. He's kind, he didn't fill the role of priest, but he's from that line, mm-hmm. right? So he's kind of prophet and priest, um, although he didn't fill that role of priest. He's, right. He fulfilled the role of prophet, but... Um, that's a, that's an interesting uh, combination there of of those two roles mm-hmm. and Moses uh, having connection with two of those. But yeah, that that uh, promise looking forward from Moses, which is uh, a couple years earlier than Christ's coming, one or, one yeah, or, one or two, just a, just a few. one or two years prior to his coming. <laughs> but way, I mean, way back at Moses, it was even already that picture of a prophet being given. Um, in uh, in in the one coming, yes, that one that's anointed, and certainly as prophets came and went, there must have been someone among the people who would say, maybe this is the one, mm-hmm. maybe this is the prophet we've been waiting for, but it took many hundreds of years before that right. prophet finally came, and Peter in Acts chapter three is the one who had the opportunity then to tie together this promise with Jesus the Christ, the mm-hmm. Messiah. Although I do find it interesting, uh, it's in John 6 is when um, it is after he feeds the 5,000, there's the comment of this is truly the prophet who mm-hmm. is to come. And normally you connect, you connect proclamation Yes. With prophet, right? You right. connect saying truth with the prophet. Now, certainly when you look at, especially like at Mo- with Moses, um, 
I think the major events in his would be acts, not yes, right, would be acts, yes. not proclamation. But typically, the prophets were proclaiming things, sure, right. Um, but I, th- I find it interesting then in John six that this response of this could be the prophet, this yeah. could be the one, sure, uh, from the act. From the act. From the act yes. of the feeding of the 5,000, that was the response. And when so, you think about it, the, the, the feeding of the 5,000 involved an, an incredible multiplication. And if you go back to the miracles that were performed in Egypt right. with Moses there, right. there was always a multiplication, right. always a and, great number and so it of would, everything. And so it would tie it to Moses' statement mm-hmm. with it being an act like that and not a not the proclaim. Uh, proclaiming truth, right, um, kind of thing. So, um, although of course that's something that Jesus did, right? He proclaimed. Oh yeah, truth. He was yeah. a forth teller right. yeah. as well as a miracle yeah, he, worker. He certainly fulfilled what prophets did in every way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just I, I find that interesting that normally when you think about prophets, you think about them saying bold things, right, more so than doing. Bold th- or having bold things happen, you think of them saying saying them instead of doing. Sure. Um, and yet, it was from the act there that is what caused that response. And if you look at the prophets themselves, as as you go through the different ministries, the prophets are given. They're often told to do something. Do something. Yeah. You know, lay down on your side for mm-hmm. sixty days, right. or take the hairs and divide right. them in. But in all of those doing to... somethings, it's the message that is exactly. that is important. Uh, and in and in Moses, in the in those miracles, those mighty works, it was the message that God is powerful, That's <laughs> real, exactly real and powerful. Right. But it, but it was what you noticed was the. The act, the mighty works. Right. When, when, um, uh, when Hosea marries Gomer, that's not as exciting as the parting of the Red Sea. You know, that's right. It's just it doesn't. That's right. It doesn't rate up there. Yes. But uh, it, so it was actually saying something of a message, and typically there was a message involved in those things. Um, and and John, of course, captures that for us by telling us that the signs that are pointed out all the way through the gospel concerning the Lord Jesus, that these signs were signs that demonstrated that he is, in fact, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that you could have faith in him. So the signs, the the acts, together with the message, made him the most powerful, the greatest among the I think when people notice that he taught like no one's taught, when he spoke like no one has spoke, when Mm -hmm. he, you know, those kind of statements... Um, would tie also they're not directly fulfillments of the prophet but I, but I do think they they set out that role that he has of yes. prophet because he was he was teaching truth that that was old testament teaching but stood on its own yes right that that <clears throat> excuse me that uh he would say truth and it could be truth on its own, whether or not the Old Testament said it. Right. You know, and right. so so much of the teaching, uh, the teaching that we do is, I better check that it's right with the scriptures because I, <laughs> I, I better make sure it's right. And and that should have been what the what the rabbis of the time were doing too, looking at the Old it Testament. It should have been yes. And teaching only what they saw there, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, but Jesus was teaching as though he were a source of truth, yes. um, which, which he was, is. Um, but that really uh, is part of that prophet fulfillment, though. And what people were looking at him and saying, right. you know, no one has spoken like this man right. is speaking among us now. And he did prophesy. He did give right. forth even future uh, teaching when he was describing to the disciples, for example, what it will be like in the last day right. when he returns. So and I don't believe there's a spot where it is, says that that him speaking like that fulfilled the prophet role. I don't think we have that, but certainly those responses to him yes. were prophet-like. Yes. Right, yeah. Now, as, as priest, it certainly is fascinating to think about the fact that Jesus actually was the only one of the priests who ever offered himself, himself as yeah. the sacrifice. Uh, and, and this is the most incredible thing that we find concerning this one, that, okay, that okay. was a priest that fulfilled everything that a priest was to do and then offered himself as the ultimate sacrifice. I want to tell a completely silly story first here. So <clears throat> Vaughn and I knew a pastor... And he was pastoring a small church, and he, he basically did everything. Now, that's what happens in a small church. You, you do everything. You do everything. But, it, like, he would have a wedding, and he would be the one running sound. Uh-huh. And he would be the one playing the music. <laughs> and he would change lighting. And, you know I mean? It was like... Oh, it's like a, Excuse it's like me, a I've one, got to change it's a like light a one, bulb. one-man band, you know, playing <laughs> yeah. all these things. And so there was a time when Yvonne and I were, ta- were laughing about this, and we thought it was hilarious. And the people we were with... Nobody else was laughing. Nobody uh-huh. else. Nobody else thought what we what we were, what we were actually tearing up about, laughing so hard. Sure. Nobody else. They're all looking at us like we've lost our mind, which maybe we have. Um, but uh, I, I think about that in this idea of priest, that that Christ is the the offerer and the offering. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, and and you can't do that. <laughs> that's not that's not how it works right uh, but he's right. not limited by that no right he's not limited by that and so not he fulfills both of those roles um perfectly yes and and eternally that what hebrews would go on and on about the that truth of him uh off being offered once and that the priests would die Right. Yes. And and but he never does. So both the offering and the offerer never die. Right now. So it's how, how beautiful that is. And then on top of all of that, the one who was the priest who offered himself came back to life. Now lives is the high priest, high priest. that we know yeah. is, in fact, dealing with us before the Father and before yeah. those who would question us. And all of these are beautifully presented in Hebrews mm-hmm. with reminders that it was necessary for him to be a true priest and a proper sacrifice to expose himself before everyone's eyes as the Son of God, mm-hmm. that he, in fact, showed himself displayed himself for that three and a half years 
as the one who is absolutely perfect, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, and then he came back as the one who knows our weaknesses and thus becomes a perfect high priest yeah. for us. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it, he, it, it, I think it amplifies the truth that he cares for it all, that our salvation is not based in what we do, right. but rather what he has done. Yes. And and what and how what he has done continues to be that uh, that source. Uh, and so it's not about me being churchy or uh, being good enough or whatever, whatever you want to put on that. It's not even about me believing enough. Right. Right. It is it is trusting in what he's done already. Um that that's is what brings salvation and keeps it for me. It's mm-hmm. it's it's incredible that that uh, it doesn't depend on my the me doing the rituals correctly. Right, right. It doesn't depend on any of that. Um, and nobody's going to let me down in that area either. Um, it's not going to come no. to an end from the frailty of somebody who's offering or who's paying uh, because he's. Uh, eternal. And that's one of the things that makes the picture of Jesus so different from the picture of any other human priest. Because the human priest would go in and make offerings once a year in behalf of the people. And yet this one gave not only his own life to be that sacrifice that was offered, but it was offered once, one time. Never again having yeah. to be. Yeah, done. that's not really part of this. The, the 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 completeness of the payment isn't really part of the priest section, but it's certainly worth glorifying him about. It <laughs> sure is that uh, that they had to ha- offer sacrifices over and over and over again because the payments were incomplete. Yeah, um, it just covered sin for a time, but Christ has has forgiven it forever. And the picture that we see of him making that sacrifice fits in beautifully with the whole concept of his being the high priest because he had to take his blood into the heavenly tabernacle and there to present his blood as the offering for our sins. And so there not only do we see the lamb who was slain and the one who made the payment, but we also see the priest who is making the offering in the heavenly tabernacle of his own blood. That brings us to the last of the three of the pictures that we have here, and that is the king. Uh, If you're watching with us, sorry, we forgot to change out the camera battery between Uh podcasts. So you can still hear us, but you're seeing change the battery pack, which I'm doing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The... uh, The Old Testament passages that prophesy concerning the Messiah, most of them relate to him as the future king. As the king, right. So let me touch on the first one before we get to the serious one, and that is Melchizedek is the king of Salem, Mm -hmm. the king of Jerusalem, uh, but he's also the priest of the area. Yes. And he just appears out of nowhere. That's the idea of no father there. And so... 
after the order of Melchizedek is an interesting study to have uh, along the lines of of Christ in the priest and king category, mm-hmm. both. So Moses kind of fulfills both prophet and priest, kind of, but Melchizedek does fulfill both priest and, priest and, and king. king, but not priest in the sense of what we see throughout the Old Testament in the temple. Right. It was a um, somehow a known priest for the area, but not necessarily established yet right there right. uh, in in Jerusalem, even though in, he was in Jerusalem. Even though he was in Salem, which right. became Jerusalem, right. as, as he uh, was recognized as being the sovereign that he was, the king that he was, and also that he was a priest, the comparison is then made by the author of Hebrews that this one, the Messiah, is in fact a uh, a priest according to the category of Melchizedek, both right. priest and king. Right. Yep. Yep. We don't see the beginning of him. There's a lot of similarities there, right? Right. Between what we know of Christ and and he what came out of and nowhere. what we don't know of Melchizedek, right? <laughs> came out of nowhere. What we're, what we're told about Melchizedek, anyway. That is a neat one. So anyway, I start with that with the king because I think sure. that's not the main example that we see from the Old Testament about king, but it is one that fits that king idea. Right. And as we have said before concerning the Messiah, one of the major differences between what the people would have expected and what actually took place Mm -hmm. was that the one who should have been king, in fact, offered himself as king to the people in that day, was rejected as king died, uh, and in no way did it appear that this one on that cross was in fact the king that he was said to be. Right, that, His, that the sign says. The sign right, says king, king but he no, in no way on that cross, in his agony and death, looked like a king. Mm-hmm. But both him as suffering servant and as sovereign of all, both of those pictures are pointed are painted of him in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, King, uh, the when you read passages in the Old Testament that are talking about the Messiah, sometimes it actually says Mashiach. Sometimes mm-hmm. it actually says the word, but typically it doesn't. But when you have this mixture of talking about the reign of David, but that it would be forever, mm-hmm. right? Or you ha- you, it talks about a king, a kingdom, um, and it might be talking about something, uh, we've, we mentioned this a few weeks ago about a passage there in Isaiah that's talking about a king there and then, but then it begins talking about it in a way that is, that is ongoing. And, yeah. And so um, all of those kings died and their their reigns ended so right. for there to be an eternal reign or an ongoing reign or one that's forever um it isn't referring to um to actually king david right, right. um or uh to another king uh in that line even 
it's it's ref- it, in the Old Testament in that line. It sure. is referring to a king in that line, but it is not referring to uh, any of those particular kings from the Old Testament there. Mm-hmm. If, if you think of the uh, passage that you mentioned in, in Isaiah, for instance, Isaiah chapter 9, right. where the description of the kingdom of this king is given, we can see that there's been no king like him up until this one comes, right. the one who's going to return uh, from heaven and to strike down the armies that are fighting against the people of God in Jerusalem and will set up his kingdom. This one, yep. this powerful, mighty king is yet to come. But he came once in the position of a king who could present himself as a king. Pilate said to him, are you the king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am the king. But my kingdom is not of this world, not of the, the reign that would have been expected. He would establish his kingdom on earth just as he has always reigned as sovereign in heaven. Yeah, I always think it's funny. Sometimes when we talk about Jesus being king, we will talk about it in a future sense because there is still yet to happen in the future. A kingdom. A kingdom. Yes. Well, the kingdom's already, it's already there. Mm -hmm. It's already happening. But that's the thing. It's, He's already king. He's already sovereign. Yes. He is the king of kings. Yes. Right? I mean, it's, it's a present thing, uh, but there is yet to be un- unveiled and unrolled in front of us this display of his kingship yeah. that's been, yeah. that's been uh, prophesied in the Old Testament that Christ would have said things about um, that are still in the future. Right. Uh, but it's, so it's a weird thing talking about it. Do you talk about his kingship in a present sense, present tense, or in a future tense? The answer is yes. Yes, <laughs> both. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's beautiful to think that a passage like the one in Zechariah that says they will look upon him who was pierced, they they are going to see him, and then they will recognize him as king. Yeah. During his earthly ministry, he didn't come as king in the sense that everyone would have immediately said, okay, let's set up the kingdom right now, Mm -hmm. Uh, purposely accomplishing the purpose of God. They were looking too small. I mean, they were were looking looking way too small. They were looking at Rome and Rome's rule over them. And and Rome's rule was immense and domineering. There's no, no doubt about that, but... Uh, still way too small. Yeah. If you look at uh, Simon Maccabeus and others like him who fought against uh, Rome, fought against oppression, fought against those who were ruling, their thought was we will turn over this kingdom of ours. We will establish it. We will make it happen. But what they didn't realize was that even had they accomplished that, they would not have accomplished anything close to what Jesus accomplished through his death. And that's the thing that has to be kept in the constant picture of Jesus Christ as king. Yes, he was presenting himself as the king. The king was walking on earth at that time. 
but he was going to accomplish through his death and resurrection far more than any earthly king could ever have accomplished. That's one thing I think about the, the teaching of the Beatitudes are from a king of a kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, teaching truths of that kingdom. Yes. Right? Um, they're, not, they're not so much... Um, they they end up being commands to us because they're what's what's good. Yes. Um, but they were they were basically showing the upside down of how we think about things, mm-hmm. right? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Right. right. And it was it was the way that Christ's kingdom is. <laughs> you're you're striving for all these things, and yet. The, Kingdom people are are upside down from that, yes. right? And so I think sometimes when we read the Beatitudes, we put a lot of heavy heavy commands and and strict like straight jackets on them. But it really is more of a beautiful picture of a king talking about his wonderful kingdom. Yes, um, more so than than uh, I don't want to want to downplay them. I, I I really don't want to downplay them at all. That's not what I'm saying, but. But it's much more beautiful than it is authoritative, mm. uh, I think. I find those to be, even authoritative isn't the right word, um, um, school Confining. Mar- school marm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, 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 right. right. It's, it's much more of a beautiful picture of the, the goodness of his kingdom. Yes. Of if, if you just would live with my kingdom in mind. How good it would be! Follow this way, you know. And so, it's just a, a, a passages of beauty from one who, who has the authority. He, he has the authority to tell us what to do. Yes. But he's he's relaying it in a way that's beautiful. And find, that kingdom that is topsy turvy. It's yeah. upside down. Uh, right from what we think. From that's what for sure. we think. Yeah. Absolutely, and and that's the beauty of the teaching of the Lord Jesus during his lifetime is that it does in fact point us to a frame of reference, a a state of mind, Mm -hmm. a reality that we as humans, even if we strive for it with all of our might, even if we try every, to use every bit of our reason to to build with with the greatest skill, something that will will be the, the best government, the best reign, the best lifestyle in the world, we're going to fail. We're bound to fail because we cannot build what he offered. Right. Utopia is not attainable by mankind. Not at all. One of the things I like about this king view um, is this was the predominant. So, again, a few podcasts ago, we talked about how many at the time were not even looking for Messiah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they had either given up on looking for him or read the scriptures in a way that they just didn't think it was somebody, yeah. like just a general teaching or a general way or, or the nation succeeding or, you know, a variety of things. But of those who were looking for Messiah, basically they all still got it wrong mm-hmm. in looking for this king yes. that would come and reign right now, right here, set up your kingdom, let's do it. Yes. And um, and and they still missed the suffering savior. Right. Uh, they still missed the one who would who would uh, come and pay for our for our wrong. Um, so 
And even once the suffering Savior had finished his work, even when he rose from the grave, when the disciples got together with him in Acts 1-7, they asked him, will you now set up <laughs> yeah, yeah. the kingdom? Yes, they're yeah. still thinking, it's, yeah. it's got to be now. It's it, got to be a kingdom. Yeah. But Jesus is saying there's something more. There's something that you will be doing. Yeah. You'll be witnesses of me. And it's going to build something that you had not anticipated. It's going to be wonderful. And at the end of it, yes, yeah. that kingdom will come. But that right. time is in the hands of the Father. Right. <laughs> right now, this is what I have for you yep. to do. Yep. And we're doing it right now. So these three, prophet, priest, and king, are the main uh, roles that Christ fulfills. Um, and uh, they, they, they capture many of the... Uh, activities, I guess. I don't know a great way to say that. Many of the activities of what Christ was doing while he was here, they, they capture in one of those three columns or sometimes combined into a couple of them uh, what he was fulfilling, how he was acting. Um, and uh, we see those not only fulfillments from Old Testament Messiah prophecies, um, but also um, those types being fulfilled in who, who Christ was while he right. was here. Right. Yeah. Let me throw out a little. T- oh, go ahead, Sai. I think you were. Yeah. Through the, <clears throat> I, I think it, I think it might be helpful uh, uh, to kind of walk through. Like as prophet, right? He was pointing towards uh, towards the Father. He was point, pointing towards his future uh, reign, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I think prophet is one frequently that I think we hear we hear that talked about as one of his roles. But I think uh, I can say for, for myself, there's times where I I don't. You know, I, I know that's true, but I don't necessarily put it all together. And so that's that that his role as prophet is is important because that's why he came. He came to proclaim right. uh, proclaim his kingdom. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right, mm-hmm. right. So that yep. so not only tr- like the Beatitudes would be truth about the kingdom. So you, look, you haven't gotten it, and I need to tell you more clearly what the truth is. So j- truth in general, but then specific truth about who he was, and then he giving the giving the picture personified of what the Father was. Right, and that's that's forth telling. Right. Whether it's by the acts that he performed or the things that he spoke, right. he was presenting a message from God. Right. Uh, and that's why that's he's true. referred to as the Logos, the Word. Right. He spoke forth from the Father the things that the people needed. Right. Right. And, he, and like we talked about, he did that through acts and word, through words. Word, mm-hmm. deed, word, deed, and being. Yeah. Yes. You know, all, yeah. all of the above. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. And then we see as priest, right? I mean, this is one that we see a little more clearly. But I mean, like we talked about, he uh, he was in control of the uh, of the sacrifice that was needed to cover our sins, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and we talked about both from both sides. He uh, was perfect, and so he as as the priest, uh, he you know was over that. And then as the sacrifice, he was uh, perfect yeah. and was able to die for our sins. I'm glad mm-hmm. you said that. He was cleansed. In order to be not cleansed like he had been dirty and then he was cleansed, he, he was clean, sinless, to be able to sacrifice, and then he was the sinless sacrifice. Right. Right. Both right. He was sinless in both of those both of those sides. Right. Yeah, I mean you see from the old testament, both sides had to be clean. You had, had to have the rest. The best lamb, right. the best whatever, best dove. Yeah. But the but, uh, the, but the, priest the priest had to be right ceremonially 
purification had right. to take place. Pure as well, yes. right? right. Yeah. right. Yeah. And Christ already was pure. Right. Uh, and then lastly is king, right? Uh, this is, uh, I think, the easiest to understand, but we see that Jesus wasn't coming without purpose, right? He was coming to set up the upside-down kingdom like we talked about. Right. Uh, he was... Uh, he didn't just come, uh, he didn't just come because we needed a way out, but he came to, and set up the upside down kingdom, right? He came as King. Uh, he came as, uh, the mouthpiece of, of God as, as God, uh, to, to earth. And then the father said of him, I have established my son on his holy hill. This is the sovereign. Yes, that is, that's absolutely right. right. So we see him uh, fulfilling these roles. There's one question that's sometimes asked, and I'm going to throw this out as a teaser because we'll look at it next time, but I want you to think about this. One, one complaint that's brought against the Gospels is that they find Jesus making a claim that there were some who were with him who were going to see the kingdom before they died. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to go into that next time, but I want you to think about that a little bit. How could that be? If the kingdom was not established then, how could anyone who was with Jesus at that time have seen him coming into his glorious kingdom? You think about that one. Look at, look it up a little bit. Search it out and... We'll talk about that. And then we'll avoid it next week and the next week and somewhere (laughs) down the road. That would be terrible. We can't be that cruel. We'll wait for you to email us to ask us the answer to that. (laughs) Oh, it's been good being with you and certainly a great joy to speak of Christ being prophet, priest, and king and fulfilling those roles both in the sense of him fulfilling the truth said about the Christ um, but also what what it says about who he is. Uh, there's just a lot there in, in those three uh, arenas of of uh, of label of who he is, truth of who he is. So how good it is. So uh, we get to live our lives knowing that he declares truth of who he is and truth of of what mankind is. That he has offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins, and that he is the one who will reign forever. And we who have believed in him get to reign with him for all time. That's how good it is. So let's live victoriously in him today and this week. And uh, just encourage you again to uh, um, be in the scriptures. I, I would say he- Hebrews would be a great passage, mm-hmm. a great section to read for all this. Uh, the limited atonement that the Old Testament can offer and the ultimate sacrifice that Christ is right. uh, is such a beautiful picture that we see throughout, throughout Hebrews, how good that is. So hop into those scriptures and take them in. Well, it's been good being with you today. And uh, you go out and, and uh, grow closer, nearer to him because of the truths of who he is, how good that is. So we'll see you next time.